out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. As you know, we love a special guest. This week, it's going to be the turn of the kind of 60s, 70s, um, progressive rock, psychedelic rock band, The High Tide, or just High Tide, because I recently spoke to their guitarist, Tony Hill, to find out more about life, love, poetry, and all that other groovy stuff. And um, yes, High Tide, they had several classic albums in the late 60s and early 70s. And also, Tony Hill went on to a quite a prolific solo career and has recently had a, I think it's a 1990s album, reissued. This is called In Exactness, which has come out on the, let me get this, Blue Matter Records. So if you want to know any more information, Blue Matter Records is the place to go. And um, yes, they've got some amazing stuff. Anyway, this is Tony, who's... Um, goes right back. He was in various other musical combos before High Tide, but um, he's going to explain more. So after several minutes of casual but interesting chat, we got down to that exciting subject that was, um, I suppose, backgrounds. And um, where did Tony come from, indeed? Tony, tell us everything and tell us now. David, I'm like Sting and like Mark Knopfler, I'm Geordie working class. Yes. So, <laughs> South Shields on time. Uh, no, my father was a, a shipyard riveter, <laughs> and my mother was a housewife. And uh, unfortunately, my brother died at 46 in Bahrain with a heart attack. Right. And uh, an earlier brother died at five years old. So a bit of tragedy, you know. Yes, and um, yes, it was always rather humbling and, and sort of sad. So as you, as we trucked into the, the sort of 60s, your f- you mentioned your first band was The the Answers, which was kind of... Yeah. So, <laughs> so was this kind of a group of your friends that were getting together in the community? Sorry, there. I said, was this your kind of a small community band, as in were these people that you kind of knew from your... Well, the, the answers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they were. Uh, Vince Edwards went on to uh, do musicals, I think, something like that, the singer. Um, yeah, we're all Tyneside. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, all working class boys. Yeah. Yeah. And did you, at that stage, as, as we started to experience, well, I, was, I wasn't born until 64, but as the, as the 60s progressed, you know, we'd had the slightly, I suppose, when people like David Bowie and Lemmy mentioned their early musical heroes, they always yeah. mentioned Little Richard and then Buddy Holly and Eddie Cochran. What was your kind of first kind of moment that you heard something that, that gave you a bit of a tingle down your spine? Well, it'd be late 50s and... Uh... <clears throat> yeah, be Buddy Holly, definitely. <laughs> uh, and Little Richard for the wild stuff. And um, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> there were some, a few English uh, bands. I like the Shadows. Yes. I like the Shadows very much. And uh, that inspired me to buy my first Stratocaster. Yeah, and did you? And was that a kind of a big moment in life when you sort of thought, right, I've got to buy a guitar? And um, in those days, probably it was a bit more 
more sort of um, a longer process to get the money together to to get a guitar. How did you get the cash for this one? Well, I, um, I was an apprentice, a uh, marine engineer, fit a turner, um, and uh, just worked weekends and uh, extra time and uh, paid HP, you know. Yes. Um, we... we uh, uh, we had a, a, a band that pl- we played in uh, a blues club down in South, downtown South Shields and uh, <clears throat> started there, really. It was uh, the, the Plectrians. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> we did covers and blues numbers. Yes. And uh, started there, really. And then, what- uh, one day... Um, Vince, Vince Edwards of the Answers, uh, he and a few others uh, said, we're going to France to play American basses. Do you want to come? So uh, I just packed in my apprenticeship and uh, took off with them. Right. Was this, was this the beginning of a fantastic journey? Was there no, once you made that commitment, was there no going back? No, that, I didn't want to go back to the shipyards. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And, uh, no, there's nothing wrong with being a, a shipyard worker at all. But it, I mean, you know, once you catch the music bug, uh, that's pretty much it. If you find you can play a bit, you know, yes. and uh, you're willing to carry on learning, absolutely, a um, change your profession. You and know. did and did playing the guitar? Did that come? Slightly, I would say nothing comes easily without practice. But did you find that you had a a good in? Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I did take a few lessons off a good guitar player, an older guy. So uh, I did. I did have a start, you know. Yes, that's always good. Chords and scales and things. <sighs> and then, so, uh, and then the sixties. As as there was a Philip Larkin poem, the you know, sixties started in sixty three with the first um, Beatles album and Lady Chatterley's Lover. What was it like for you when you suddenly went from things like the the Shadows to suddenly the Beatles, the Stones, the Animals, the Kinks? Yeah, it was um, a transformation actually because uh, the Beatles were totally totally different. Um, a great, as Ringo said, it was the best front line he'd ever heard. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Yes. Definitely. And how so, did... Uh, yeah. So I was definitely taken with their music, yeah. Right. And, oh, I met, I met Phil, uh, <clears throat> Phil May of The Pretty Things a few years back when I did a gig with uh, uh, Glenn Campbell again on, <clears throat> in London. And, uh, but then I'm afraid he passed away about four or five years ago. Yes. Um, but yes. uh, it was only about six years ago that I did that. Yeah. <clears throat> and then so. as the 60s progressed, obviously things changed so rapidly. So by 67, there was kind of the summer of love and, you know, in the UK, you know, there was the 14-hour Technicolor Dream Oh, yeah. And that. Yeah. What, did, you, did you find you sort of moving through the gears quite quickly for your own kind of musical journey? I mean, I was just wondering what happened after the answers... <clears throat> Um, well, I went with the misunderstood, didn't I? Yes. For about a year and a half, something like that, before they were, uh, I don't know, they were <clears throat> that trouble with uh, 
They had trouble with their government and uh, conscription. And how did you manage to get the gig for a for a sort of a, a slightly psychedelic UK prog, you know, prog band? Um, let's see. Uh, I went back to Seals. I came back in '68. Uh, worked with David Bowie for about a year, you know, six months, and um, met up with Simon House and Pete Pavley. Roger Hatton, and uh, Simon said, I play bass. I said, uh, is that it? He said, no, I play violin as well. I said, ah, that's different. <laughs> I said, stick to the violin. And uh, we, we met up with Pete, and he uh, was into bass. We, I, I, I confess, uh, I, I had quite a bit of LSD, which sort of changes your personality. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Absolutely. And uh, we bunch of we ended up as a bunch of dropouts, really, you know, like anarchists. But uh, we weren't commercial. No. We weren't commercial. No, not at all. I know John John Peel or John Ravenscroft. He was a big champion of the band. How did um, how did David Bowie sort of? How did you meet and and sort of get to see um, Bowie? I don't know. I think it must have been Tony Visconti. Um, <laughs> we didn't get paid, you know. It was me, David, and Hermione Gingold. And uh, they used to have this ballet act as well in the middle of the gig, <laughs> the acoustic guitars. And uh, it was good fun. Yes. Know? But um, it, I, I, I don't know how he managed to eat, but uh, we didn't get paid or anything. No. You used to do it for fun. So was this with and the band that they called Feathers, where they had Hermione... Tur- turquoise. Oh, Turquoise. God, God. Yeah. So, so this was before John Hutchinson kind of joined. Yeah, Hutch took over when I left to join High Tide. Right. So you were you went from sort of quite a psychedelic rock band with The Misunderstood to Turquoise with David and Hermione. Yeah, yeah. So I had uh, good education. Yeah. Well, absolutely. <laughs> and um, yes, I know it's it's kind of a it's it's one of those periods where there's so much going on and so many different combos. And, oh, yeah. And, and then Jimi Hendrix came along. Yeah, well, that that's slightly that too. Well, a bit earlier actually, but uh, I really love Jimi Hendrix. Yes, well, that could really. Have... Did you did you record anything with David and Hermione? Was anything? Um, no, 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 no. We used to go with Tony Visconti into the studio and do test recordings for things he was busy with, but um, no, no, yeah. nothing recorded. Well, it's kind of interesting because a few, well, probably last year, I did an interview with a guy who was in a, I suppose, the first prog band called Clouds, or is it One, Two, Three, or one of those ones? And uh, I know he... He mentioned this kind of... I think he was from Scotland, but they ended up sort of going down to London and he said that David used to hang out with him a bit because he knew people like Jimi Hendrix. Did you did you come across, you know, those early prog bands as well? I, I found there's an awful lot of good bands that never got heard. Yes. You know? um, I was listening to Camel yesterday... And they have quite a few 
beautiful sort of hippie music. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, and, um, of course, it's Andy Ward, who's on drums on my record. Yeah. He's from Camp. So uh, I'm is... privileged, you know. Well, absolutely. And did you enjoy that that kind of period of just being much more of an acoustic band? And also, at this stage, had you relocated down to London at all, or were you still sort of based? Yes, 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 we're in London. Right. Um, in Abbey Road. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's interesting. So then High Tide appears, it's 69, so the LSD psychedelic rock period is, is well well underway by then, isn't it, really? We'd had... Yes, yes, yes. The 14-hour um, te- Technicolor Dream... Yeah, but uh, <clears throat> we worked hard, did a lot of gigs, and um, but Roger took ill, <clears throat> and uh, we didn't really want to replace him, you know? Yeah. So we got... Pete said what we should have done is take a two-year arrest instead of breaking up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's kind of what I've noticed doing these interviews is that most bands and artists have that kind of a five-year, really solid five-year narrative, and then by the end of it, most of the most of the members have kind of got very little left in their brain. Well, you become mentally exhausted. You, you know, you don't know what you're doing or what day of the week it is. Yeah. <laughs> I did yeah. interview one person who said he knew he'd lost it when he'd had a conversation for half an hour, and he realised he was in the toilets looking at a mirror, and he thought. I've got to stop this. I can't, I can't. I'm talking to myself now. So <laughs> these things happen. And what was it like? Because, yeah. I mean, obviously Simon, you know, went on to be part of Hawkwind and that kind of psychedelic period. Yeah, did the... we, we did, me and Simon did do uh, interesting times, but it was a home recording. I've just been listening to Simon do a 1995 gig in New York. The sound quote is bad, but... Uh, He's got a few albums out, you know. Yes, absolutely. And then, I mean, it's always interesting because mostly the other thing is that one, you know, a band, if if their kind of things line up, they have a zeitgeist moment. But then when things, you know, the next five, I find things seem to go in slightly five-year cycles. It's a, you know, it's a, a rough theory. Yeah. And, and yeah. sort of as the 70s happened and there was a kind of a new kind of vibe and also a lot of the 60s people like you'd had that you know obviously the death of Jimmy 70s, Hendrix. yeah they they took over from the uh your um acid rock bands and uh you got the full-on sort of um heavy rock acdc uh deep purple all all led zeppelin all and, of those and black sabbath and, uh, yeah yes. yeah black sabbath a lot and um and then followed by punk <laughs> yes and uh, then followed by 80s uh, mixes, you know. Uh, it uh, was quite interesting, but uh, not in my uh, field of expertise, I'm afraid. No, um, but your guitar no, playing... I was going to say, your guitar playing is absolutely incredible and such a sort of... I don't know, it's, just, it's, got, it's got sonic qualities. Oh, which are... well, you know, you know what? There's about a million great guitarists now. <laughs> yes. There are. I mean, there's... Everything from Guthrie Govan to well, Jeff Beck's always been great, you know. Yes, and, uh, he's when, always been great guitarist, better than me. 
But when I know when David Bowie got Mick Ronson, he said he was looking for his Jeff Beck, and then you'd had obviously you mentioned Hendrix, and then you had Jimmy Page. I mean, the yeah. and Eric Clapton. Did you find the the kind of introduction and the kind of world that was the heavy psychedelic rock guitarist was that? I mean, because obviously you mentioned the shadows at the beginning. Was that an exciting period for you, sort of every day being a new exploration? Yeah, the newness. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, we weren't afraid to experiment. No, absolutely. And when when High Tide kind of finished in the early 70s, how do you then manoeuvre the next part of your life? Um, well, it was my life turned into a bit of a mess, actually, because uh, me and, and Jacqueline, two kids, bring up, and we, we had money, but um, we found a house, you know, and things like that. But uh, uh, anyway, the, I didn't have anything going after me and Simon did um, interesting times till I met up with Drayson Seeker. He used to be the drummer for Arthur Brown. Right. And um, he got me and Pete together, and uh, we did a, a really good album, uh, The Reason of Success. If you listen to Turn Yourself Down, the last track on uh, The Reason of Success, yeah, I think the, the drumming is amazing. And uh, that's probably my best uh, guitar playing, because it's all instrumental. Excellent. Yeah, and that's quite... Um, that it, was 1991. 91. But then you also, you then sort of bring out this this new release, which is the In Exactness as well. This is kind of your... This was your third release, wasn't it? Um, let's see, it was... Uh, I've never made a personal album except that one. I've always been uh, me and Simon or me and Pete under the title of High Tide. And, um, I'm, well, of course, I've known Adrian since uh, 60, since 1970, you know. Right. So with the, re- the, the re- so was it the case then that High Tide reformed again? Not really, but the people, we ha- we kept being encouraged to do so. So uh, we made an attempt, but um, it's always been either two of us or three of us, and we couldn't no complete band, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but um, I think the last thing I did was with Pete. Uh, I'll I'll have to check. Yeah. <laughs> So basically, just just to kind of get a kind of an idea, the seven, the rest of the seventies, not much happened, and then it was kind no. of the the, the mid eighties, high tide, sort of reappear again. Yeah. Then, as I say, with Drish and Tika in nineteen ninety, and uh, me and Pete did something I can't remember, <laughs> and uh, then of course, as I say, I met Adrian and Nick, and we did uh, in exactness. Yes, that's the one. Um, this, this is the one that came out. Um, yeah, I'm busy with uh, we and me and Pete intend to bring, if we can get in touch with if we can get Simon to uh, get his health together. We'll uh, I've got about three numbers written already, and uh, we're going to bring out an EP. 
Fantastic. My God, this is this is great. Because you had um you had it is this was with the one that had was this AD on bass, Andy Ward on drums, and Nick Solomon on guitar, and Matt yeah. Kelly on violin. Is this and this is kind of in exactness. This is the lineup for that particular release. Yes, and Pete did about three tracks as well. Right, the original bass, uh, the original yeah. high tide bass yeah. player. Yeah. Okay, yes. They really were good musicians, you know. Well, Pete absolutely. Absolutely. And you all have so, the same uh, spirit, don't you? Really? I mean, it was—it's quite—it's quite amazing hearing the, hearing that album, which I've been playing, on on loop for the last week. It's quite—it's quite the rock out, actually. Does it? I, I love um, Nick Solomon's playing on the the uh, <clears throat> Six Million Years. We we do a duet at the end. Yes, absolutely. And his playing is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant guitarist who just doesn't get the recognition because there are too many great guitarists, you know. I know. I mean, the world is is filled with them. When you came back in the mid-'80s with High Tide, you did an album called Interest in Times. Did that feel like a relief to sort of have another project to be working on again? Well, what it is with um, Interesting Times... I really loved the music and Simon's contribution, you know. But uh, we just had, we couldn't get a, a label. So um, we had to do the recording on uh, our own tape machine. So uh, the the standard of production isn't what we would like. That's the problem. Yes, this is, this is often the way, isn't it? Because then, just, yeah. to, just to give me an idea... From there, there, there's a, a lot of releases like Precious Cargo, The Flood, A Fierce Nature, Ancient Gates, and as you said, the, the, reason, the reason of success. Are these all kind of, is this all new material or the, were these archives that you were bringing out? Uh, it, <clears throat> um, there again, it was, uh, it was Drayson who um, set the whole thing up, so... Uh, he he arranged uh, uh, i did all the writing but um he's a really he was a really good drummer as well he died you know oh a brain tumor yes i know these these things a few years after that it's terrible i know these, these yes, i know you have to keep on ducking and diving don't you i mean the one thing that i did notice from speaking to various people i mean just going back to david bowie it was kind of interesting a lot of people suddenly got a message from him you know in his last kind of 10 years when he slightly went quiet did you ever did you ever have any more kind of contact with him during you know no no, he, he just went david bowie went so big he probably lost touch with everybody ever <laughs> knew. Um, I mean, album hit after album hit after album hit. Yes. I mean, totally different lifestyle. Um, yes. It, uh, but I suppose, probably... yeah, I was going to say, because what was quite interesting, I think when he had that kind of his heart attack, I think it kind of brought him down to earth and made him realise, you know, the fragility of life. And I kind of, quite a few people said... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and but that, I mean, let, let's face it. I mean, I love I love living, 
but on life is shit. <laughs> it's a beautiful planet Earth. I love it, but uh, I'm afraid human human society isn't all it should be. No, I know. This is this is one. Of the... It's always health. It's always health. No, no. It's interesting because actually one of my earliest memories was going to some, when I was very young, going to some ruby wedding. You used to always get dragged to these things. And I remember hearing these old people, they were mostly old ladies, saying, as long as you've got your health, that's the only thing that matters. And Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I and then and then I at the age of four had asthma, and this was I was the only kid at school with asthma, and I kind of realised how important it is. So um, yes, when when you can't get up in the morning, uh, I've got a I've got um, a lovely son and daughter and grandson, and uh, we've all gone vegan, and uh, I actually do the Wim Hof method. Oh, what's that? Ah, it's breathing exercises followed by a cold shower or a cold bath. I like the idea. I've been doing that for two and a half years now. Wow, what was it called again? Really? Sorry? What was this method called? What was the technique? Oh, you haven't heard of it. Get on YouTube. I will. (laughs) I am. And uh, the Wim Hof, W-I-M-H-O-F, Wim Hof method. You must... Must check it out. Yes. It'll, uh, my son's got cystic fibrosis. Right. Which uh, we didn't know how long he would live. But he's made it to 48 last Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And um, we both had a health check at the at Bart's hospital, Bartholomew. And uh, he checks out at, um, he's 48, but they give him uh, a health life. He's gone to about 32. Wow, he has literally... So he's, he's managed to conquer the, the illness to the point where he's actually healthy. Yes. So uh, that's what I'm really interested in, their yeah. health. Absolutely, I'll, no, absolutely. <laughs> Did you, I uh, mean, because earlier you mentioned that you also had you had a heart attack. Has that completely... Yes. Have you managed? Um, to... uh, apparently, I'm very lucky to be here because uh, my heart stopped. But then, for some reason, the, the, the surgeon can't work it out. It started up again. Right. And uh, I was still knocked out for about 10 hours in bed. But um, I just came to, and uh, I noticed I'd bumped my head and there was blood on my face and everything. I must have fallen down when I passed out, you know. Yeah. And uh, my son immediately rang the host- <laughs> the ambulance. So uh, I thought it was costochondritis, but it wasn't. It was heart. My God, that is... Heart problems. Yeah. And the pain building up to that, I thought it was. It was just costochondritis of the, the rib cage, you know. But... Uh, I didn't think, uh, I haven't got a, I'm not unhealthy. What it is, is the arteries closed up. Right. Or the circulation was interrupted. But there was no, because I'm vegan, I don't have any cholesterol or anything like that. It's just the physical integrity of the flesh. Yes. So uh, they put three stents into my uh, arteries and that kept they they are keeping the uh, arteries open, 
and uh, to keep the blood flow normal. Yeah. And uh, it keeps, it's holding up. I haven't had any more chest pains or anything. And uh, I've been tested again, and apparently I'm very good. Fantastic. This is, this is exciting. And you did sort of just say a little bit earlier that you've got some tracks that um, for an EP that you looking to record again. Is this a project yeah. which is always you've always got to have something? Look at the Rolling Stones. I mean, let's face it, that's keeping them going, really. Um, well, well, I'll tell you what. Just for a laugh, before we uh, close the discussion, I'll read you the last verse, shall I? Yes. I've, I've never done this. To, uh, nobody's. I think Leon heard it, but. Uh, the last verse is just to give you an idea of um, where we're going. Uh, you record it if you want. Oh, if yeah, we def- can make the transition from street life to paradise, this unique contradiction could relieve us of pain. A distinct indication of how we could congregate in a sphere of distraction endowed with remorse. Tell me why, please explain. Why no sunshine, only rain? Tell me why, please explain how some beauty still remains. Wow, that's amazing. And uh, we'll carry on until we're finished. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, this is fantastic. Well, so with with that, you've got the music, you've got the lyrics. I mean, are you just waiting for a a window to sort of book some time with a few other musicians to record this? Um, no, no, what I'll do is um, I'll do a click recording here with digital equipment I've got and um, pass that on to Pete and Simon so they can learn how to learn it and yeah. uh, then they'll pass it back to me through the internet and uh, I'll put the final guitar and vocals on. Fantastic. That is amazing. So we don't have to go to a studio. <laughs> this is going to be amazing. anyway. <laughs> well, I, think, I think now people can do a lot at home, so that's handy. That's really handy. Uh, it's going to be anyway, fun. David, you've got to, you've got to go vegan. I've told this to Nick. <laughs> <laughs> you must go vegan and you must do the Wim Hof method every morning. Right. And you, you live to 110. I'm looking. I'm. I'm. I'm going to embrace that cold shower. One oh, day. How are your parents, by the way? Um. Well, they're okay. My dad's, you know, in his late eighties, so there's always a little bit of a hiccup somewhere down the line. So he he had yeah. a bit. He had a bit of gout, which was not good, but they sorted that out. Um. But he now has a little bit of a pain in his hip, and he has slight diabetes, but again, it's under control. I mean, when you live long enough. Things start, you know, slightly creaking. Yeah. I see. So, um, but he's yeah, but, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, at their age, your parents will have to look out for uh, strokes, like blood clots, yeah, and heart, yeah. heart attack, um, uh, cancer. Well, you, I don't know. It's a, it's a terrible disease. Yeah. Um, but uh, basically, it's those two things. If they can keep. Uh, Keep the blood flowing without interruption. That's the one. That is the one. Well, and do you? And do you just 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 interested? Do you go for a little bit of a walk every day just to you know keep? Yes, the... I do. I'm a, yeah, I've been told I must. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, to be Maybe honest, or not. <laughs> excellent. Well, to be honest, the weather at the moment's extraordinary, so um, we're quite lucky. Yeah, what? not bad. Not but, bad. But look, <clears throat> Tony, thank you ever so much for this. This has been amazing, and um, I'll I'll keep in touch with also Gary from Blue Matter Records, who's um, putting out this next release, <laughs> which must be um, brilliant to have him kind of champion yeah. the band or your your. Well, I your want- you and all your mates to buy the new EP when it comes out. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I have to say, you know, uh, I mean, I hope you've got a very good, kept all your memorabilia and archives because I'm sure you've got some amazing things tucked away. Yeah. Well, well, what's amazing is I managed to keep my, my singing voice without, without a shaky or wobbly voice, you know, mm. vocal. Nice. So... Uh, I don't know how long that lasts, of course. But <laughs> I don't know how long I last, but um, we, my intentions are good. Absolutely, and a cl- and a good intent, good intentions, and a good mind will keep you, you going. Take care of yourself, David. Yeah, yeah, you too. Really appreciate this. Thanks again for this, and take care. And I'll um, yeah, I'll keep in touch with Blue Matter Records. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll speak again sometime. We will speak again. Take care there. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Cheers, Bye-bye, Tony. David. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that, dear listener, just in case you didn't get get the, get the vibe, is the end of the interview or conversation. It's a fine line, isn't it? Anyway, a massive thank you to Tony Hill for giving me the time for that interview. And um, as we were saying, if you want to know any more information, Google away just for the love of it. High Tide, but also Blue Matter Records is a very good place to start. And also the Tony Hill um, album that we were talking about there, In Exactness, is come is out on Spotify, actually, but it is also available from Blue Matter Records and other, other exciting places. And uh, do check it out. It's very exciting. But anyway, this has been David Eastall, The C86 Show. If you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just do C86 Show. Keep it positive, please. That's all I'm asking. And uh, all these interviews have been archived. Aren't you lucky? So you can find those on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean. It's true. Anyway, have a great week. Stay safe.